0: Well, hello, and it's good to see that guy we just saw, you know, practicing social distancing. I was sitting there thinking, man, I hope he wiped that gym equipment off when he left. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure he did. Uh, but I'm really, really glad that you're here. And I want to welcome you to Chase Oaks Online, in what has been, as we all know, and we're all feeling, it a very difficult, crazy difficult couple of weeks. I know some of you are in the medical profession that we just talked about how we're going to come alongside and support or you're in logistics or some other area where you're just working crazy, crazy hard right now. Um, Others of you are business owners or leaders in some company or school or other kind of organization. And you're making just really hard decisions as you try to navigate. I I can relate just hard. Um, Some of you are uh maybe have been furloughed or you're afraid you will be or laid off and what's going to happen and, and how is how's is all this going to shake out? And obviously that's hard. Uh, and then we're spending so much time at home, at least most of us, much more time at home with stay at home and shelter in place and that kind of thing. And I've talked to some of you who are single, reach out to me, just say, hey, pray, because uh, man, I just wish out a family. It, it gets kind of lonely and to be I feel more alone than ever. And I I just I wish I had a family. And then I also hear from some people who have a family who kind of wish they were single right now. Um, They were wish they were a little bit more alone uh, just because as everybody's in close quarters, just a tough time. But the fact that you're here online right now tells me a whole lot about who you are, because you've made a choice or, or you wouldn't be online. You would not be part of this service. You've made a choice to seek God to seek him, to seek after him in this time, in this difficulty. And here's the really cool thing about that. Jesus told us, he said, if you seek God, you will find him. God's not hiding. Like, if you seek him, you will find him. He wants to be found. And it's in times like this, for many of us, that we seek him the most. And when we find him in the midst of difficulty... That's when life change and transformation and depth and all those things that we really do want. Uh, that's when those happen. And so that's why in the New Testament, James says, hey, we can even have some joy even in the midst of our pain and difficulty. We can also have joy knowing that it's in times like this that the that we get deepest, that we grow the most. That's why we're doing this series during this three weeks called Stronger. Um, stronger is about, hey, let's take in this time. Let's not just survive. Let's do better than that. Let's go through this in a way where we can actually get stronger. And last week we talked about stronger relationships. And I know that's happening. I know so many families and couples and 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 others are, are becoming so much stronger relationally in this time. That is a silver lining. Uh, next week we're talking about stronger hope. And this week we're talking about stronger impact. And um, when I when my kids were growing up, Uh, They used to love for me to tell them bedtime stories like every kid. But the ones they wanted uh, were Mitzi the Wonder Dog stories. Now, Mitzi the Wonder Dog stories were stories I made up about my dog growing up named Mitzi. She was a little miniature schnauzer. She was not intimidating by any means. But the Mitzi the Wonder Dog stories were just simply this. There was some calamity, some difficulty, uh, maybe a a hurricane or some natural disaster, a tornado, or, or maybe a bunch of burglars or an army came and... You know, something like that. And just in the nick of time, Mitzi the Wonder Dog would spring into action and save the day. And the kids love those stories. And I, and I don't think it's because they were so great because I just made them up as, as I went. I, I, I didn't, like, think about it before I was putting them to bed. It just kind of made them up as it went along. I think the reason they liked them so much is because the, there's something in them and there's something in all of us that we really do want to be people who save the day, that we really do want to be people of impact in this broken, messed up world. We really do want to be the kind of people that makes a difference in our world. We're created that way. The Bible says that we're created in God's image, which means we're created to be accomplishers. We're created to be difference makers. And therefore, there's something in all of us that really wants to do that. Even now, it's hard to know how exactly. And but I man, how can we be helpful and how can we step up? And we really do want that. But at the same time, there are things that hold us back. We have you know great intention, but sometimes the activation's a little bit harder. And all of us could be people of bigger impact than we are because of some of these things that tend to hold us back. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at I man, how can we push through some of those things that. They do hold us back from being the kind of impactful people that in this broken messed up world that we really do, we really do want to be because, um, as I said, we all, we all are going to face these things and, and, and it's kind of the perfect time to do that because our life has been so disrupted to kind of step back and evaluate a lot of things about our lives. But one of those is just, Hey, what is really holding me back from being that person of impact, being that difference maker that I would, That I would really love to be. We're going to see a few of those contenders, and so as we go through this talk, just say, God, what what do I need to hear from you? Uh, We're going to see these played out in a story in the Old Testament. Uh, It's actually uh, in uh, one of the Judges. You know, before the virus caused us to go online and we changed our our whole plan, we were in a series on the Book of Judges in the Old Testament. These people in times of difficulty that God raises up to save the day. Mitzi the Wonder Dog kind of people. And today we're going to focus on Gideon. That's, you know, the guy who leaves his Bible around in hotels everywhere. Uh, that's the guy that we were going to talk about. If you remember that first week when we went online only and changed the plan. This is a different sermon, kind of a coronavirus edition, but super cool story and super helpful and uh, and so let's get into the story. Now, it starts like the Mitzi, the Wonder Dog story started. It starts at a time of calamity and difficulty. In fact, you know, right now we're sheltering in place. We're trying to stay at home as much as possible. And we're bored and we're quarantined and all that. In Gideon's day, they would have loved to have been able to shelter at home. They would have loved to be able to be quarantined at home, but they couldn't because it was too dangerous to be. The Bible says that they were hanging out in caves and in the woods and makeshift tents anywhere they could because it was not safe to be in their own home. This invading army, actually a coalition of armies had invaded the country and they were just kind of raiding and going everywhere. And if they saw anybody, they would do terrible things. And so everybody was just hiding for their lives. And this went on for a long time. And they cry out to God and God is going to raise up a deliverer. And it's Gideon. And we read in Judges 6, 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, the angel of the Lord, when you see that in the Old Testament, um, we think of angels as the ones who kind of, you know, fly around, I guess, like this. and And, you know, we kind of have in our minds what angels are. And those are real spiritual beings. We'll do a series on that sometime. But when the angel of the Lord, that phrase, angel of the Lord, often in the Old Testament, isn't talking about an angel. It's actually talking about Jesus. It's talking about God, the son, a pre-incarnate incarnation is what we celebrate at Christmas, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus because Jesus existed before he was born as a baby. That's when he took on humanity. Jesus has always existed. He's God, God, the father, son, Holy Spirit. He's God, the son. And. And from the, everything in the text, when you read the whole passage, you say, yeah, that's probably what's going on here, that this is Jesus appearing as a person, appearing as a man. It takes Gideon a while to realize, hey, this isn't just a normal guy or even a messenger from God, that this may be God, and he freaks out later. But here in the beginning of the conversation, they just have this conversation, and he says you know, what he says. And right away, we get the first impediment to impact. That if you and I don't push through this one, then we'll never be the people of impact we want. And in and a time like this, it's pretty common. And the first one is discouragement. Discouragement. Just discouraged with God, discouraged in life. And that's what's going on with him. So after, you know, the angel of the Lord, Jesus says, mighty, uh, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. This is what Gideon says next. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us. Then why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. What he's saying is, hey, look, you're saying the Lord is with us. (laughs) I don't know what you're thinking, but if the Lord was with us, this wouldn't be happening. We wouldn't be in this terrible time. The Lord's not with us. The Lord has abandoned us, which is why we're suffering like we are. Because the assumption is, hey, if the Lord is with us, we're not going to suffer. Not like this. You ever felt that way? Maybe uh, your life has been turned upside down by something. Uh, Somebody got sick in your family or uh, you heard the cancer word or you lose a loved one or you lose a job or you have some big downturn. And somebody well-meaning Christian says something like, well, you know, the Lord is with you and you just want to kick him in the shit. You're like, the Lord is with me. Maybe you're feeling that way now with this horrible thing going on, this pandemic and how it's upending our lives and all that kind of stuff. It's hard. It's difficult. And You think, well, where is God in all this? Has he just abandoned us? I mean, where is he? because the assumption that we easily have is if, if God is with us, then he will not let let life hurt. If God is with us, he won't let us suffer in this broken, fallen world we live in. God never says that. In fact, God told us the opposite. Like Jesus, I mean, it's all over the Bible, but Jesus one time said to his followers, to you and me, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. What God promises is not to shield us from trouble. He promises his presence, his strengthening and redeeming presence in the troubles we face See, we live in a broken world that we broke humanity when we chose sin. And when sin happened, came death, destruction, disease and violence and all the stuff that we experience. One day, the Bible says Jesus will return to this earth. He'll make a new heaven and a new earth. It'll be perfect and indestructible. But in the meantime, we suffer. But God in his grace doesn't doesn't we don't have to suffer alone. He intervenes. And what he offers us is his strengthening and redeeming presence. And right now, if you're discouraged, if you're just so weak. The Bible says that he is our sympathetic high priest and that he came, Jesus came to suffer so that he would know what it was like when we suffer. It's one of the reasons he came to this planet. And he wants to give you strength and he wants to redeem it. He wants to use this in your life, use this in my life and all over the place in this pandemic. We can already see how God is not only strengthening people, but also redeeming it. God is going to have incredible victory out of this. It's going to be hard. There's going to be really difficult things, but God is going to use it in our lives. But we have to get through discouragement, get through. God, why are you allowing this to saying, okay, God, you're allowing this. So what does it look like for me to be faithful? What are you up to? What do you want to do in my life differently? How do you want to use me in this difficulty? And when we're able to push through that and get there, that's. When we become people of impact in a crisis. Well, Gideon has to push through that, but he has to push through another one, too. And that is self-doubt. So first, he has to push through discouragement. Many of us may be right there. But then self-doubt is another culprit that will keep us from moving forward. Uh, it'll be one of those impediments that we have. And, and it's a really cool story. And, uh, and I can't wait to tell it. So, you know, he's called Gideon. He said, hey, mighty hero and. You know, all this kind of stuff. And Gideon's thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm no mighty hero. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I've called you. You're my guy, Gideon. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. What he's saying is, look, God. You know, that show Biggest Loser, um, if that title wasn't already taken, that would be the perfect title to do a reality show about my life. I really am the biggest loser. Like, I, you know, my tribe, Manasseh, the weakest of all the 12 tribes of Israel. My clan, my extended family in that tribe, we're the worst. Like, we're the worst clan and the worst tribe and not only that in my whole family I'm the worst person Like I'm, I'm the biggest loser and the biggest clan of losers and the biggest tribe of losers you need the best of the best of the best I'm the worst of the worst of the worst I'm not your guy I promise you but Jesus is not dissuaded verse 16 Judges 6 the Lord said to him I'll be with you and you'll destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man <laughs> what Jesus is saying is look If it's just you, Gideon, you're right. Not much is going to happen, but it's not you. I will be with you. And you see, when God joins our team, when he calls us and and, and, he calls us to his work, so it's really his work, then we're going to win because he doesn't know how to lose. And and what he's saying to Gideon is, look, I, I will be with you. And it's not about you. It's about me. And you're going to see that and you're going to get the victory. But he has to push through that. And we see him, it takes a while for him to push through that self-doubt. And I don't know if you can relate to that or not. I know a few of you are really confident people and you're like, yeah, call on me, God, I'm your I'm your girl, I'm your guy to save the day. And, and that's cool, it's great. But most of us have lots of reasons why there's probably somebody else that God will really use in big ways. Maybe we just don't feel that gifted. We just don't feel that special. Maybe we feel like we don't know enough. Maybe we feel like we haven't known God long enough. Maybe we've really messed up in life. Maybe we're just a struggler, you know, like in spiritual things or you know, we're just not good at being good and we're just not really great at being spiritual or whatever it is. And, and we wish it we were better, but we're not. Or maybe we've blown it in some way or something's happened to us in our life that's just kind of beaten us down. And we have all these reasons to step back rather than step forward. And if we allow that to happen to us and we'll. We'll never do what God wants us to do. And, and the thing is, it can actually be a little tricky because when we're in self-doubt mode and we have all these reasons why we're not the one or we're not the best one for God to use or must be somebody else, it can feel like humility. I mean, it feels arrogant, right? If somebody says, I'm your guy, I'm your girl. We know that. That sounds kind of arrogant. But when you say the opposite, it can sound like humility. But it's not. I love the way Tim Keller describes humility. He says it this way. The essence of humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. Let me say that again. The essence of humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. Real humility is getting self out of the way. Real humility is self-forgetfulness. And when you and I in self-doubt elevate our it's just another way of elevating ourself. It's another way of living a self-centered life. We're, we're letting self get in the way. Humility doesn't do that. Humility takes self out of the way and focuses on God and focuses on other people. We think of ourselves less. Um, pushing through self-doubt and all that makes me think of, of something that I would it'd be good if I was better at. And it, it will probably never happen. And that is dancing. Uh, my wife, Christy, who's listening right now in our living room is probably perking up when I talk about dancing because she loves to dance and like she's the person at the wedding that once the dancing starts, she's on the floor the whole time. I'm the person looking for every excuse to stay off that dance floor. And and I'll do the little dances at a wedding, you know, where you just have to go like this side by side. I'm not good at that either, but at least I can hang a little bit, but anything else I'm out. And and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is I have no sense of rhythm. And I, I really don't like when we're doing worship songs and you're supposed to clap along. If I'm not watching somebody who's clapping in time, I, I lose it. I I'm I'm off on my own rhythm or whatever. I, I can't I just can't keep rhythm. I, I tried dance lessons one time. Christy and I did this ballroom dancing thing. A bunch of people. I flunked like it's one of those things you can't even flunk. But I'm telling you, I flunked. I was the worst of the worst of the worst in that class. Um, I, I, I really wasn't ever invited back to pursue it. I mean, I, I'm really bad, but it's not just because I'm not gifted. It's all that. It's also in the main reason is because to learn how to dance, especially now, you know, I'm a little old to learn how to dance. Uh, if it, you know, when I, I didn't do it when I was in high school and all that kind of stuff because I was with some Christians who were good people but a little uptight about some things, and so we didn't dance, and which was kind of silly, but you know, it's the way it was. And so I never really learned. And so the only way to learn how to dance is to look stupid, and I don't like to look stupid. And I know some of you are thinking, "Dude, I hate to tell you but..." kind of look stupid even if you're not dancing. And that's not very nice. I don't appreciate that. And that doesn't help. But I, can, I can't help just looking stupid all the time, but I can help looking more stupid by dancing, by choosing not to dance. You have to dance like no one's watching, right? If I, don't, if I can't get there, then I will never be able to do that. Now, that's one thing if it's just dancing. But if it's about being used by God to make a difference in this world, well, that's different. And, and if you struggle with self-doubt, Let me encourage you to ask God to help you begin to push through that and step through that. To hear him say, look, I've called you. I've chosen you. I'll be with you. It's not about you. I promise. Like even in this difficulty, even in this pandemic and stuff, you think, well, how can we do anything? We're holed up in our houses. This is a great time to begin to serve in new ways. Uh, We talked last week about being the here for good house in your neighborhood or the here for good person in your social network, if you're a student with your friends or um on social networking and texting or at work or whatever. To to kind of this is the way I'll say it, to kind of be the minister in your social network or in your neighborhood. You know the Bible says we're all ministers. Everybody who knows Jesus, like we're all ministers. It's not just people with a pre scholar. It's not just people like me called pastor. We're actually all ministers. I just think about what it would be like to be going through this not knowing God. I mean, some of you are watching today because you feel that and you want to know God and God wants to know you. So that's good. You can begin a relationship with him. But imagine if you don't have a relationship with him. And there, most people don't. And God has you there to minister, to connect people to him, to his hope. So it might be just calling somebody in your neighborhood or calling people that you know and just calling coworkers and saying, hey, look, I just want to know that you're okay. And I know people get wigged out about religion and stuff, so if this is offensive, I'm sorry. But I'm a Christian. I, I pray, and, and I'd love to pr- know how to pray for you if you're comfortable with that. If not, it's cool. But... And, you, and you can come up with a hundred reasons why they probably don't care. I even do that as a pastor. A lot of times I, I underestimate how important it is. Like I'll call somebody and just say, hey, how are you doing? I want to know how to pray for you, and I'll pray for them. And they're like, man, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, why do you care? I'm just Jeff. But they, and it's not just about me. They care about all of us. I mean, just we need that. And God has you there. Let me encourage you to do that. There's opportunities coming up in the church, um, opportunities this Easter to invite people at a time where people are more open. It, it's an online service. You'll see these invitations and, and, and online in and our Facebook page and our, our church pages to be able to share on social media. Man, there's not a better time you can to, to do that. You can change the course of someone's life with an invitation. You can come up with a 100 reasons why you shouldn't be the one, but man, push through it. This hospital initiative that we're doing, it's going to take all of us to do this well. Look online, and you can see the details of that. The first food collection is Tuesday, so it's coming up really quick. Let me encourage you to watch and look online and do that. And don't think, well, somebody else will do that. There's nobody else. It's really you and me who will do that if you live in our area. Well, Gideon had to push through self-doubt. And he does, but God does not make it easy. And this is such a cool story. I got to stand up for it. It is so cool. And uh, and I can't. And so here we go. Here's here's the way God, he kind of messes with him, but he does it to make a point for us that it's not about us. It's about God when it comes to getting the victory. So, you know, Gideon. God helps Gideon arrange this army, uh, collect this army, thirty-two thousand troops. That's a lot. That had to feel pretty good. Except. The problem on the other side is they had one hundred and thirty five thousand troops. So that's not very good odds. That's four to one odds. And that would have been intimidating. So the angel of the Lord, which we know to be Jesus, comes and connects with them one more time. Again, it happens multiple times. But he says, hey, Gideon, OK, so you got your thirty two thousand and they've got one hundred thirty five thousand. We've got a numbers problem, and I know Gideon was probably like, "Oh, man, I'm so thankful that you're, I, 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 you know, that you're figuring it out." I mean, I, I mean, you're God and everything, so I know you're probably good at math. And and sure enough, you know, you must be, because yeah, you're right. We got a big numbers problem. But then, Jesus says, or the angel of the Lord says, "Hey, look, it's it's not not what you're thinking. You have too many warriors with you." If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Kidding's like, too what? Too, too many? <laughs> yep, too many. Cause even though you're the underdog, that's enough that if you win, they'll just think it was about them. So we need to whittle it down. So the first way God whittles it down is he said, okay, just tell the army, anybody who's afraid, they can go home. They don't have to fight. So out of the 32,000, 22,000 split, that leaves 10,000. Now, it's interesting to me that it, that's the first thing. That's probably smart, right? To Get rid of the afraid people. Um, because here's the thing about fear, and we're seeing it right now. Fear is contagious. Fear is more contagious than the coronavirus, as contagious as that is. And it's also more deadly to real life, the life that God wants for us. deadly to impact when we're paralyzed by fear. All of us will experience fear and worry. I mean, there's a lot to be fearful about, worry about. That's okay. We don't feel guilty when we're starting to feel afraid. But for people of faith, what it is, is we fear is a transition step. Fear is what takes us to God. We move from fear to faith as we turn our worry into prayer, as we focus on God, as we trust him. And people who get stuck in fear and just spiral in fear, well, they're contagious. But people who work through their fear to get to faith. They're contagious, too. So make sure you're around some people, a small group or friends or something like that, that you're interacting with, that that are people of faith and be a person of faith and let that spread as well. So now it's 10,000 troops to one That's 14 to one odds. So this is not good. But the angel of the Lord appears to him again and says, Gideon, uh, we still got a numbers problem. We got too many. And Gideon's like, oh, you're killing me. And he has this way of getting it down to 300 soldiers, 300 against one hundred and thirty five thousand. That's four hundred and fifty to one. Imagine you going out and picking a fight with four hundred and fifty people. I can take you. You can't. That's impossible odds. But God is going to make it even harder because he tells Gideon, "Okay, so we got to equip the troops. We've got to give them some, you know, right? And Gideon's like, okay, well, at least they can have good weapons. And he said, okay, Gideon, so here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's their weapons. Three things. Um, a torch, a trumpet, and a clay pot. And Gideon's like, okay, why not like swords and spears and bows and arrows? Like, you know, so it's a trumpet. Just so I'm clear here, a trumpet and a clay pot and a torch. Yeah, that's what you're going to, that's what, how you're going to get the victory. And then he tells them the battle plan. All the, here's what I want the 300 to do. You're going to do an attack at night when everybody's asleep on the other side. And at the signal, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to start blowing their trumpets, smashing their pots, making a lot of noise. And they're all, you know, put on their torch, you know, light their torch. And and you watch me give the victory. That's all you have to do. And that's exactly what happens. So at the moment, you know, Other armies all in their tents and asleep and all that kind of stuff. The 300 come at the signal. They light their torches, smash their pots, start blowing their trumpets. God says he they're already confused because they're asleep and all that. But God says he causes more confusion in the ranks of the enemy army. Remember, they're a coalition of troops, meaning they're from different countries. So they don't all look alike. They don't all use the same language. They have different uniforms and all that. So it's confusing anyway. And in the middle of the night and all that confusion and all the trumpets and all that, I mean, they're just around a circle blowing trumpets and the people in, 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 and so the, the enemy soldiers, 135,000, just start killing everything that moves because they assume they're being attacked with all those signal trumpets by the whole Israelite army, the whole 32,000. And so they just start killing everything that's moving and they destroy themselves. And what's left of the army kind of tries to escape and all this kind of stuff. And God gets this incredible victory. Through a guy like Gideon, 300 with people with trumpets and clay pots. Because it's not about us. It's about God with us and God through us getting the victory. And if we can push through discouragement, if we can push through self-doubt, then we can be people that God will use. But this isn't the end of the story. I kind of wish for Gideon, well, I definitely wish for Gideon it was the end of the story, but it's not. Because his story doesn't end well. And it gets us to the third impediment. So we've talked about discouragement. We've talked about self-doubt. The third one is self-preoccupation. Gideon, you know, he's part of this victory. And he lets it go to his head. In fact, he he takes the credit for it. He's like, I'm the man. Uh, So much so that there's even one area that kind of make fun of him for doing that. And he has every man, all the men in that village killed for making fun of him because he's such a big shot. He builds this incredible, like, place for him as the leader of the nation and and uh, makes this idol there for people to come and worship it instead of God. And, and, I mean, there's just lots of things that he does that are terrible. But the whole point of that is in all of his power and he becomes wealthy because of this, he becomes self-preoccupied, self-entitled It never really serves God again. And how sad is that? But how easy it is to happen, especially when we get to be a big shot. I mean, the, the more possessions we have, the more position we have, the, the more you know, power we have for whatever reason. And, and it's it's counterintuitive. But instead of using that to serve others in our sin nature, we become more self-entitled. The more power we have, the more we want more of it, the more money we have. We tend to hold on to it rather than give it. I mean, it's really interesting that when you when you look at giving in in the United States, that the wealthier you are, the less statistically, the less you're going to give as a percentage of your income. You think it'd be the other way around, but it's not because the more we have, the more consumption driven we become, not the more generous we become. Jesus was a great example of how not to do that. When he came. I mean, Jesus is God. Doesn't get any higher on the totem pole than that. And he said, The Son of Man, talking about himself, has not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's what he calls us to. And I know life is disrupted right now. But you and I happen to live we've talked about this a lot. In in the wealthiest nation in the world, compared to global poor and global wealth and all that, all of us, I don't care who we are, are in the top few percentage points of the world's wealthy. And it's so easy to live a self-focused, self-consumptive life in a culture like this. And therefore, when God gives us this opportunity, as difficult as it is, this interruption, it's an opportunity to step back a little bit and say, am I allowing that to happen to me? And it's also an incredible opportunity to serve and to be generous and to be other-focused I mean, there's not a better time than right now. And in in a crisis, that's another time where human nature will tend to kind of hold on to stuff. I don't want to serve other people. I've got problems myself. I don't want to give. What if I don't have enough? I don't want to share. What if I run out of toilet paper? I don't want to write. It's easy to do that. And let me encourage you to push through that. And this is a great opportunity to say, man, I want to live an other focused life, a God focused life, not a self preoccupied life. Because when you put all this together, God really does want to use you and me to rise up and save the day. We get to be part of his mission on this planet. It's a great opportunity for us to think about how our impact could be stronger, both in this crisis and then after the crisis, when we go back to life as we kind of knew it before. So when you think about these three things, which of these, and we're going to pray here in a minute, which of these three would you say, man, this is the one in prayer that I really need to focus on? Maybe it's discouragement. I'm just so discouraged right now. I, I'm, I'm mad at God. I, I don't understand. I, I, I thought he wouldn't let this happen to me. And you need to push through discouragement to realize, oh, yeah, he's with me. He wants to strengthen me. I'm not abandoned. And he has a purpose in this. And God, help me find that purpose. Maybe for you, it's self-doubt. You think, man, I'm such a screw up or I'm so messed up or I'm not good enough or there's lots of other people that push through that. because It's not about you. It's about God using you and he's chosen you. He's called you and he's with you and wants to use you. Or maybe it's self-preoccupation. In this crisis, maybe you're a little self-focused or just in general in our culture. It's so easy and it's an opportunity to take a step. I'd encourage you with your family to have a conversation about this. If you're around other people, a couple, married couple or family or or if you're single and and just, you know, gets with some friends, um, you know, maybe, you know, zoom them or whatever and just talk about this a little bit. Hey, where are we at in this? And then let me also encourage you to choose one thing this week. I don't care if it's big or small. It doesn't matter. Just I mean, we're all holed up, so it's hard to know exactly what to do, but just say, Hey, what is one thing I wasn't planning to do that could really be encouraging to somebody? Uh, Maybe it's part of this joint signing up and being part of this medical thing that will come around these hospitals in practical ways. Maybe it's calling somebody and praying for them. Maybe it's inviting them to Easter or inviting them in general or just serving or meeting a need or doing something for somebody. I don't know, but just choose one thing as momentum to say, man, I want to I want my impact to be stronger. So let's all bow our heads together. And pray. Father, I thank you that you want to use people like us, Mitzi the Wonder Dog kind of people, miniature schnauzer kind of people. Gideon kind of people. And I thank you for that. And Father, I pray that we'll use this time, even right now, in these quiet moments, God, as we pray to to allow you to speak into our life and and it's one of these holding us back from being the kind of person of impact we really do want to be. Maybe it's discouragement. Maybe it's self-preoccupation or just self-focus. Maybe it's self-doubt. God, would you help us push through it to get to the other side and, and, and be a person that you can use? And, and God, give us wisdom in this time to continue to take steps that direction. And God, we know that you're up to something good. We know that you're going to have victory out of this. and We want to be part of that. We want to be part of what you're up to in our lives and through us too. In Jesus' name, amen.